is God's word. Come on, I need you to mean it this morning. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we indeed thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we yield ourselves. We open our hearts. And we declare that our lives will never be the same after having heard the word of truth. And as I back up, I ask you to step up. And as I decrease, I ask for you to increase. And I pray, Father, that the words that I speak will be words that you have anointed and ordained. And I thank you for lives being changed, hearts being healed, and minds being renewed. And I declare this in Jesus' name. And if you believe that prayer, say amen. Amen, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're currently in a series entitled, I'm with the vision. Just look at your neighbor and say, I'm with the vision. Now look at him again and say, are you sure? And this series is designed to complement Clergy Month, which our nation celebrates to honor pastors across America. And every year, Word of Truth Family Church sets aside this time to pay special tribute to honor my wife and I as founders of Word of Truth Family Church. And last week, our lesson was called My Job. And basically, the purpose of last week's message was to give you a biblical understanding of what my role is as the senior pastor of Word of Truth Family Church. And today's topic is designed to help every believer understand their role in a local church. And watch this. And point out the benefits that will take their life to the next level. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down today's topic, which is owning the vision. Owning the vision. Everybody say owning the vision. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to find 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18. And then I want you to find Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And then I'm going to give you one more this morning, and that is Genesis chapter 11, verses 1. I'll say those again. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 18. And then Genesis chapter 11, verses 1. Now, we're going to start out in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I really need you as a member of this church, and even if you're visiting, I want you to open your heart up to the Word this morning because this Word that I'm going to teach you this morning helped me find my calling. I don't believe there is anybody in the kingdom of God who's a believer who, won't, who don't want to know their calling. And what I'm going to 
just point out to you this morning is the way that I found my calling. In 1 Peter chapter 1, if you're there, say I'm there. And if not, they're going to put it on the screen. I believe a, a vision is the life-giving source of a person or an organization. In other words, the answer, I believe, to any problem or challenge that a person or an organization will ever face can be solved with the principle of vision. Everybody say the principle of vision. Because in the beginning, God used the principle of vision to solve a sin problem that had not even yet existed. Amen. The problem of sin in the life of mankind was solved with the vision of redemption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, God had a solution for the problem of sin before he even created mankind. You know why? Because he had a vision for his creation. Can somebody say amen? Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, look in verse 18, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from, watch this, the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of who? Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. In other words, God had a vision for what he wanted. And today I'm going to briefly share with you on owning the vision here at Word of Truth Family Church. Now, if you're a member, you should know the vision. What's the vision of Word of Truth Family Church? To know Christ and to make him known. But you have to reach a point where you, you do more than just say it. You now have to own it. Amen. So I have three points that I believe will help you understand why it's important for you to take ownership of God's vision. So turn over to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. We're going to look in verse 18. And here's the first point if you want to take notes. The first point is the power of vision. The power of vision. Now, when we read Proverbs 29, it's going to show us the power that vision has in a person's life. It says, watch this now, where there is no what? Vision, what happens to the people? They perish. Now, the word perish means to let go of or have no restraint. My wife told me she saw the other day in Dallas, there was a woman on the bridge getting ready to jump off. And the police were trying to talk her off the ledge. I think they finally did it. But the reason she was probably getting ready to jump is because she didn't have vision for her life. Amen. Now, here's what I like to do. If we were to flip that verse and reverse it, it would sound something like this. Watch this. But where there is vision, people live. Or people have new life. Now, let me read Proverbs 29, 18 out of the New Century Version. It says this, where there is no word from God, people are uncontrolled. But those who obey what they have been taught are happy. Now, the word vision there means dream or prophetic word. In other words, he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. What that means is where there is no dream or prophetic word, the people will perish. Now, in, uh, go to 1 Samuel. This is not, uh, I didn't give this to the video department, but go back over to 1 Samuel. We're going to look in chapter 3, 
1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, and you know what? Just keep your hand there. I'm, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 11. We'll go to that one. Genesis chapter 11. Vision is so powerful that it is not only uh, powerful enough to change a person's life, but it has the potential to produce purpose in a person's life. And it also has the ability, watch this now, to produce unity. And that's why it's so important for a family to have a vision for their family. Because vision produces unity. Everybody say this with me. Say vision produces unity. And the end result of unity is always the blessings of God. Now, in Genesis chapter 11, I'm going to show you this principle of vision producing unity. It says in verse 1, And the whole earth was of one language. Everybody say one. And of one speech. Everybody say one. And it came to pass as they journeyed. Everybody say they journeyed. It didn't say one person journeyed. They were, watch this, they were of one language and one speech, but... That one language and one speech end up being a they. They journeyed from the east. They found a plain in the land of Shinar. They dwelt there. And they said, who said? What it, who was it? They said to who? One another. They were saying the same thing. They said, go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, everybody say, and they said. Notice they're all saying the same thing. And the reason they all said the same thing is because they all had the same vision. Watch this now. And they said, go, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men were building. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. You know God had to be black. That's Ebonics. That's Ebonics. Is that Ebonics? The people is one. I'm just joking. God is a spirit. And they all, and they have all, what? One language. And this they begin to do. And watch what God said about them. He said, because they're saying the same thing, and they see the same thing, and they're doing the same thing, he says, nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined, or I'm going to use this word, envisioned to do. In other words, once you get a vision, and everybody gets on the same page, impossibilities become possible. They saw the same thing, they did the same thing, they said the same thing, and that's what you have to have when it comes to vision. And if you notice here, it was the vision of building this building or tower to heaven is what made them in unity. Now, flip over quickly to Psalm 133. Psalm 133 quickly. Psalm 133. I just want to give you the benefits of unity. See, most of the time, the reasons families don't prosper is because mommy and daddy are not on the same page. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? Well, Psalm 133 verse 1 says, behold how good and pleasant it is for who? 
brethren to dwell how? Together, but he didn't stop there because you can live together but not dwell together in unity. He says, dwell together how? In unity. It is like the precious ointment. What is the it he's talking about? Unity. Unity is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of the garment as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion. Now remember now, he's talking about unity. Then he says, for there, there where? There in unity, the Lord did what? Commanded the blessing. There is a commanded blessing when there is unity. And see, that ought to be enough inspiration as a couple if you're married to just... You look, sometimes you just have to agree to disagree. But don't let it get you off of being on the same page. Can somebody say amen? So, how do you receive vision? I'm going to give you now the process of vision. Everybody say the process of vision. Now, this is point number two, the process of vision. Uh, go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and I'm actually going to start in verse 9. Acts chapter 16, verses 9. Acts 16, verses 9. We talked about the power of vision. Now we're talking about the process of vision. Because uh, in this point here, you're going to see why it's so important for you to own the vision here at Word of Truth Family Church. Watch this now. In verse 9, it says, And a vision appeared to who? Come on, class. To who? To Paul in the night. Notice it didn't say the vision appeared to all. Look at your neighbor and say, I didn't understand that. Now look at him again and say, he's going to say it again for you. It said the vision appeared to Paul in the night. Not all. God doesn't speak to groups. Because have you ever stood in a line and, and, and the first person said something and they whispered it to the next person and that person whispered it? By the time you get down to the end, whatever was said way up there was totally changed. You know why? Because everybody hears things differently. And so God is going to use a man of God to, to show what he wants done. Amen. A vision appeared to Paul in the night and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia, come over into Arlington, come over into Grand Prairie and do what? Help us. Every vision should help somebody. And after who? Come on class, I'm in verse 10. After who? After he, who is he? Paul had seen the vision. Watch this. What's the next word? Immediately, what happened? We endeavored to go. Now notice it went from he to we. Because God didn't call one person to fulfill the vision. It's to be. It says, and we, watch this. Oh, it says immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Watch this now because this is critical. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called who? Us to do what? Preach the gospel to them. Now let me ask you a question. 
Our vision here is to know Christ and make him known. Does that include the gospel? Amen. So I'm going to give you four facts about vision very quickly. Four facts about vision. Four facts about vision. Here's number one. Vision is given to one for the benefit of many. Vision is given to one for the benefit of many. In other words, vision comes to one, but it is designed to help many. And that's why in verse 9, it says, and he... Paul saw the vision, but we endeavored to go. He says, come over and help us. Vision will always include helping people. Now, here's point number two. Four facts about vision. Here's the second fact. Vision must be clearly communicated. Vision must be clearly communicated. Everybody say clearly communicated. Now, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, it says, write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Listen, the key word in that verse is not vision as much as it is plain. Because you can have a vision, but if it's not plain, you can't understand it. He said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that what? Read it. Here's fact number three about vision. Vision starts with he, but must move to we. Notice it moved from him to them. Another way of saying it is vision must go from being the pastors to the people. Notice the vision came from God. God communicated it through Paul. And they had to understand the vision because it said immediately... We endeavored to go, which brings me now to point number four. Oh, well, I don't want to do point number four yet. Let me just point something out. There was no voting. There were no committee meetings. You know what? They didn't, no, no gathering saying, okay, he said uh, to know Christ and make him known, and we're going to do it this way. It, they didn't want no meeting. It said immediately what happened. They endeavored to go. And many people miss the boat because they're just trying to figure it out when you just need to walk it out. Amen. Now, go back to verse 10. Go to verse 10. Go to verse 10. Go to verse 10. I'm going to show you something. This is so good. I love this. Verse 10. It says here, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel. Notice, watch this, Paul did not ask them to go. They knew it was their duty. He didn't ask them to go. He saw the vision. He communicated it. And it says immediately we endeavored to go. So if you're waiting on somebody to ask you to do something in church, you don't need for them to ask you if you know the vision. I know some of you all probably called and said, I want to volunteer in this area, and you haven't got a call back. Well, you know what? So what? Show up. Be a walk-on. Y'all know what a walk-on is? How many know what a walk-on is? You know, when you play sports, and if you didn't, you know, you weren't on the roster to do something, you know, if you, you're good enough or you think you're good enough, you know, you just walk on. Well, I'm just telling you to walk on because the vision is clear. And they, he didn't add, I don't see anything about him asking them to do it. They just decided it was their duty. Amen. Now, write this down as a take-home statement. 
Vision always, vision is always people-minded, even though it may not be convenience-minded. I'm going to say that again. Vision is always people-minded, but it's not always convenient-minded. Or another way of saying it is vision always has people in mind, not the inconvenience of the time, because it's always inconvenient to to serve. You know it's inconvenient for the, the, the setup team to come up here and set up every Sunday morning. It's inconvenient. And they come in, they set things up, and they, they create an atmosphere for worship and praise. And some of us, we, 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 we're not doing anything, and we, we late. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me right now. Now look at him again and say, stop lying. I'm just playing. Go to 1 Samuel 3. I told you to hold that. Go to 1 Samuel 3. I'm going to show you something. This is right here. It's going to really bless you. This is going to really bless you. 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Many believers never hear the voice of God because they don't listen and obey the voice of a man of God. I'm going to say this again. And if I don't have to say nothing else tonight, today, I need you to get this point right here. Many believers never hear the voice of God because they don't listen and obey the voice of a man of God. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, watch verse 1. It's a long chapter, but it says, And the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Notice Samuel was serving the Lord even when he was a kid. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. I'll use the word rare. There was no open what? Vision, And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laying down in his place, his eyes began to wax dim that he couldn't see. And the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laying down to sleep. Watch this. And then the Lord called who? He called Samuel. And Samuel answered, here am I. And what did he do? He ran to who? Eli and said, here am I. Now, here's the point. I think Eli's voice sounded like God's voice or Samuel would have known the difference between the two. So if Samuel was never listening and obeying the voice of Eli, who was his pastor at the time, how would God get his attention? So he heard this voice. He said, here am I. He ran to Eli and said, here am I. You called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lie back down. So he went and laid down. And the Lord called him what? Yet again. Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to who? He went back to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. And he answered, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Now, what I like about this is God knew how to get Samuel's attention and he knew Samuel would obey him because he had been obeying Eli. In other words, Samuel qualified to hear the voice of God because he he was listening to the voice of a man of God. And some of you all are not going to hear the voice of God clearly because you're not even hearing my voice. Touch your neighbor and say, it's getting hot in here. Let's keep reading. Watch this, verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. 
And the Lord said unto Samuel, what's the next word? Come on, class. Again, meaning, listen, if, 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 if you don't want to miss God in making a decision, he'll make it clear to you. Some of you all want to miss God. Amen. If God really knows in your heart you don't want to make this bad decision, he's going to make clear to you what decision you should make. But some of us don't really want to make the right decision. We want to make our decision. Watch this now. He said unto him a third time. And he arose and went to Eli again and said, Here I am, you call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had what? Had what? Had what? Your man of God ought to know if you called. You shouldn't be the only one to know you call. Your man of God ought to know you call too. See, a lot of people went, but very few people are sent because they don't have enough trust in the system to know that God can speak to a man of God to show you your call. Oh, that's good right there, class. Watch this. He said, uh, the Lord, uh, Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. So Eli gave him some instructions. And Eli knew he would obey the instructions because he's, in a, he's been obeying his instructions all his life. He said, uh, now, next time, go lie down. And if it shall be, if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So then Samuel went and laid down again in his place and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak for your servant, what? Heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm basically, I'll begin to give the Samuel some instructions But some of us are not in position to hear the voice of God because you're not listening to the man of God. I'm not telling you to obey for my benefit. I'm telling you to obey for your benefit. Amen. Here's the last point or last fact. I said I had four, right? Here's the fourth one. The people's calling. Go back to Acts chapter 16. The people's calling was to minister the gospel within the vision. Go back to Acts, and uh, I think it's in verse 10, Acts verse 10, Acts 16, verse 10. I'm going to read it again. It says, and after he had seen the vision, watch this now, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering, watch this, you may probably never seen this before, assuredly gathering that the Lord had, come on class, had what? Called who? Us. In other words, when they got involved in the vision that Paul saw, guess what? They discovered their calling. I'm going to say that again. Notice it says, they are surely gathering that the Lord had called us. The calling that they got to preach the gospel came out of the vision that they received from Paul. And here's the key key to receiving vision. The Bible says, why should God give you your own if you haven't been faithful to another man's? 
If you really want to receive the vision and calling of God for your life, get involved in the vision that God has ordained. And you have to know God's ordained this vision because look at all of y'all sitting in this place listening to me. I mean, you wouldn't go and, and, and get up early in the morning and get dressed and get all nice looking to go hear a fool, would you? Come on, some of us do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you see these comedians on TV, that, that's a fool, they a fool. Now, the word calling there in the, word, in the book of Acts, the word calling means to summons. How many have ever gotten summons by court to go to, to, you know, to go to, what do they call it? Duty? Yeah. Jury duty? Well, this word calling means to be summons. Now, let me just say this as I move on. There's a difference between a career and a calling. I, I know you feel God called you to be a doctor, called you to be a nurse, and you know what? That's your natural calling. But see, if your calling does not impact the kingdom of God then you have not tapped into your spiritual calling. In other words, a career is what you do that makes money for you. But a calling is what you do for God that always impacts people. And you know what? You might get paid for that too. But I'm saying, I know you're good at what you do at work and I know you love doing that. But if it is not leading people into the kingdom, guess what? It's a me vision and not a we vision. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so, so let's just break this down. Let me give you the last point. Uh, because some of you are looking like, oh my gosh, where's he going? The practice of vision, as I get ready to close. The practice of vision. We talked about the power of vision. What was the second one? The process of vision. And here's the third one, the practice of vision. Because a vision is no good if, if you don't participate and do something in it. Amen. Now, one of the things about Habakkuk 2, too, he said, write the vision and make it plain up on the tables that he may read it that run with it. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When you find somebody who's not saying the right thing, you need to either say something to them or get away from them. Because Jesus said, if they're not for us, they are against us. So if somebody is just complaining and, and, you know what, I don't like working in a nurse, well, find somewhere else to work, but do something. Now, I'm going to close with this right here because this is the part I think is really going to help. To consistently follow vision, you must have the right perspective of the visionary. I'm going to say this again. To consistently follow the vision... In other words, I'll put it like this. In order to consistently follow the vision here at Word of Truth Family Church, you must have the right perspective of the visionary, which is me. Amen. Now write this down. A right perception is a biblical perception. A right perception is a biblical perception. In other words, how you should think about a visionary should come out of Scripture. Now write down 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8, because this is when Elijah and Elijah were together and Elisha the older man I mean the younger man asked Elijah he says I want a double portion of, uh, of your spirit but see one of the requirements to get that was that he says if you see me when I'm taken from you 
then you'll get it. The word see means to properly perceive. He told Elisha, he said, you know what? If you see me right, you'll get double of what I have. And some of you in this room, your perspective, your perception of a pastor has been distorted. Amen. Uh, Can I close with John chapter 4? Go to John 4. John 4. John 4. There are many people in this room that were hurt when you got here. That were disappointed when you got here. Because maybe your last pastor didn't do right. Maybe your last church hurt you. Or there's some people in this room that this church may hurt you. You tried to check in your child and you you were late. And they said, hey, we're sorry, the nursery's closed. And you got upset and offended because they didn't let your child. But but it's really your fault. It's really your fault. See, we don't look at our, we look at our intentions, but we don't never look at our actions. You might have gotten hurt from this. I called that office and ain't nobody called me back. Well, listen, in sales, they teach you if you want to sell, you keep calling. Well, if you want something, you keep calling. I know that's not happening to people, but I'm just throwing some examples out there. Let me show you what happened. John chapter 4. Watch this now. Perception determines reception. Perception is going to determine your reception. And your reception determines your transformation. Watch this. John chapter 4. This is the woman at the well. And... uh. He got down, look at verse 5. It says, and then he came to the city of Samaria, uh, near a parcel of ground, that Jacob, the son of Joseph, and Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was being wearied at his journey. He sat at the well, and on the sixth hour, there came a woman from Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, hey, give me something to drink. Watch this. Let's see what her perception is about Jesus. For his disciples were gone away to, uh, to the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, watch this, how is it that you being a what? A Jew. Ask a drink of me, which am a a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She addressed Jesus as a Jew. And although she was correct in her answer, she did not have revelation of who he really was. In other words, you may see your pastor as a gift from God to teach you and equip you. Or you can just see your pastor as just a regular person. Amen. And see, here's the thing. Let's see what happened to her. What verse did I stop at? Nine. Nine. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, How is it? Well, I read that one. Let's go to verse 10. Then Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you what? Living water. Then the woman said unto him, What? What's the next word? She went from from, from, uh, Jew to what? Basically, she went from seeing him as a traditional person, a traditional pastor. Oh, our pastors do this, our pastors. No, she at least gained a little respect. She went from Jew to sir. In other words, her calling him a Jew represented a traditional view of what a pastor is. And maybe some of you all were raised that way. But then she went, and because of her conversation with him, she gained some respect and said, okay, Sir, 
Amen. So then look, we'll see what happened. They begin to talk some more. And then in verse uh, 13, he said, whosoever drink this water, you know, you're going to drink it, you're going to want some more. But whosoever drink it of the water that I will give them, they, they'll never thirst. And then the woman said unto him, sir, she, she got respect for him. Give me this water that I may not thirst, neither come to this well again to draw. And Jesus said, go call your husbands and tell them to come. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, yeah, you're right. You've been married five times, and the one you shacking with is not even your husband. Watch this now. See what happened. The woman said unto him, sir, watch this now. I perceive you are what? Now her respect for Jesus is changing. And the only reason her respect for Jesus began to change is because she kept listening to his word. And I know you all may have come in hurt and bruised and and had problems with other churches and pastors and situations like that. But I need you to hear my word enough because when you hear my word enough, it'll help you see who I really am in your life. And she began to see right and discern right. Her perception changed from Jew to sir. And then it went to prophet. And guess what? Because she kept that respectful view of Jesus, then he revealed to her who he really was. Look in the last verse. It says, but the, he says in verse 24, but the hour coming, uh, God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Then the woman said, I know the Messiah is going to come, which is called the Christ, which when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. Watch this. And then Jesus said to her, I that speak unto you am he. Because her respect for him went up, her revelation of him came. And you can't get revelation because eventually the Bible says she went and told all the men. What men do you think she went back and told? Five plus one equals what? It says she went and told the men, watch this, come see a man. Watch this. In the process of her changing her perception of who Jesus was and her getting the right revelation of who he is now in her life, she discovered her calling to the point where she knew now, I'm an evangelist. I'm going to tell everybody about what I saw. She discovered her calling when she discovered who he really was in her life. And I believe there are some hurt people in this room. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some people in this room today that have been hurt.